right. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at RevolutionRadioFreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back. This Welcome is the back. second hour of the live Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Derrett on the web at truthjihad.com, where you can get early access to my shows by subscribing through the Substack button. Okay, well, let's get moving with another exciting hour of Truth Jihad Radio after talking activism with Kat McGuire, who is putting together the Worldwide Rally for Freedom, that is the New York franchise, now we're going to move on to discuss that whole issue of, of COVID that is behind all of these mandates and passports and lockdowns and masking and all of that stuff. These various restrictions on freedom that seem to be getting more and more onerous. We're going to talk about the uh, actual virus and illness behind all of the hoopla with philosophy professor James Fetzer. Now, Jim Fetzer is an old friend of mine. We met back in 2006 at the big 9-11 conference in Chicago, and we've been in contact on and off ever since working on a whole bunch of issues that never get any mainstream coverage. We have differences uh, in certain of our views, but I respect Jim Fetzer's intellect and courage. And I was very happy to hear recently that after having been told that he was in the hospital by Rolf Lindgren, who called in at the end of the last hour, and maybe calling in later on, uh, Rolf told me Jim was in the hospital. I was uh, quite concerned and Jim wasn't doing too well, but then he, he got better, and now he's nearly fully recovered, and all I can say is, alhamdulillah, it's great to have you back. Jim Fetzer, how are you doing? Oh, Kevin, it's great to be on with you again. Of course, we had a show for a year and a half on GCN called The Dynamic Duo, which was great fun, and uh, my hospitalizations were relatively modest. I was in one day for seven hours, the other for eight but the weakness that overwhelmed me, it was fairly stunning. This occurred about perhaps five weeks ago that on a Wednesday, I noticed I had chills. So I wrapped myself in a blanket by Friday. They'd recurred Saturday morning. I felt extremely weak. I had a fever, no cough, but I really uh, didn't feel right at all. It would turn out that my wife would take me over to the hospital for the first time. Fortuitously, I had friends who were aiding and abetting me and concerned about all of this, one of whom sent me a ivermectin five doses times two, which I think may have made a difference, especially when you consider that Robert David Steele was hospitalized with respiratory distress. He had his own ivermectin with him. The Hospital there refused to give it to him. He was very upset and outspoken. They sedated him, put him on a ventilator, and that was it for RDS, whom oh, I admire greatly. Yeah, that's crazy. So he had his own ivermectin, and they wouldn't let him take it? Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. I mean, talk about why we need a health freedom movement. That's completely insane. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, so, I think, yeah. Kevin, I think in the aftermath of this, it's it's very obvious we're in the midst of a form of medical tyranny. This was very cleverly designed. Anthony Fucci, the CDC, WHO, Imperial College, all involved in this. Uh, Bill Gates, one of the principal financiers, but ultimately I'm now convinced it's a Rothschild banking empire Behind it all, they want to seize control of the entirety of planet Earth. 
it's just too massive from too many directions, too much control, flooding our borders, bringing in the refugees from Afghanistan, releasing criminals from our from our jails and prisons on the grounds of COVID, uh, not taking care of the homeless. There's an attempt to turn America into uh, chaos and anarchy. And unfortunately, it's working all too well with this Biden puppet. I thought for quite a while it was Barack Obama who was pulling the strings. But I see now, because of the scale, that it's far larger in its scope that the power of these individuals to be ruthless, the mandates, for example, they're reflective of a background that's used to an authoritarian system, not a democratic one, where individuals have no choice. This is much more consistent with the British monarchy, but especially with the, the arrogance of the Rothschilds. And remember, they control the media, too, through the dual U.S.-Israeli citizens, where I have a panel of 100 executives from CNN, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, another panel of 100 from NBC, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, a third panel from the New York Times, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. And when it gets down to, you know, disallowing HCQ, Ivermectin, and now, of course, they're going after this monochromal uh, therapy that seems to be very successful. In fact, I believe I was given that during one of my hospital stays where DeSantis is responding by announcing that monochromal antibody purchases can be made directly from GlaxoSmithKline. Kevin, this is so ruthless. This is so brutal. This is so inhumane. I really don't think even the the demented Joe Biden would be tolerant for this, though I'm convinced it's actually an imposter. It's not the real Joe from Rhode Island we've known for so long, but a very different guy. I've documented that on multiple occasions. It was apparent to me already. So wait wait, wait a minute, Jim. So is the imposter Joe Biden better or worse than the old Joe Biden? Well, I think that he's worse, actually, oddly enough. I mean, he's more coherent in his speech now. You notice he can't, for the most part, uh, read off of a teleprompter anyway. But wait, 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 wait a minute, Jim. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's one thing for you to tell me that, you know, they've, they've, the Beatles found a a perfect lookalike Paul McCartney who could, who was really good at left-handed bass and sang just like Paul. Okay. Maybe, but are you telling me that they actually found a lookalike Joe Biden? who loves to sniff little girl's hair? I mean, how many guys that, you know, I mean, what are the odds they're going to find somebody who looks just like Joe and has a sniffing fetish? <laughs> and by the way, just for the correction, I never said they looked exactly alike. In fact, uh, uh, Paul's replacement is four inches okay, taller. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I stand I mean, corrected. Yeah, just don't. Don't pull a straw man on me. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, but, you know, this Biden, look, look, Kevin, he had the wrong color eyes. James Wood spotted that right away. He has brown eyes. Biden had blue. He's got attached ears, whereas Biden had non-attached ears. Well, he had non-attached ears? Others. They were, like, floating in the air? No, no, no. They just curl up. You know, they're, they're called pendant earlobes. Most, a lot of us have pendant earlobes, right? Okay. Uh, he, he... It's a slightly different shape of skull. He ties his tie differently. 
Biden had a double Windsor. He uses a single. I even did uh, research on their social interaction with Jill. And when when the real Joe was with Jill, she'd be beaming their hand in hand, arm in arm, and he has a shit eating grin on his face. When she's interacting with a new guy, she looks very serious, not arm in arm, not hand in hand. He looks sober too, no shit eating grin. It's not the same guy. And for confirmation, and I published all this on my blog at jamesfetzer.org, a pharmacist noticed that the handwriting of the new Joe who is signing these executive orders and such is very, very different than the handwriting of the old Joe. And as a former student of handwriting analysis, Kevin, I can tell you that that's as good as it gets. But the ear difference, you know, the difference in ears, and this is a thing between Paul and Paul, they have different ears, such that Paul, the replacement for Paul, is even taken to wear a fake earpiece, which would be completely absurd and unheard of if he didn't realize his ears were very different than those of James Paul McCartney. Well, you know what, Jim? I, I can tell that when you know when you were hospitalized for eight hours, they didn't slip in an imposter Jim Fetzer because uh, you, you're definitely the same guy. <laughs> uh, so seriously, though, uh, to, you know, you were very skeptical about the reality of the COVID nineteen virus, SARS CoV two, and the illness around it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, would you agree now with me that the way this call them the new world order elite or whoever it was who put COVID into circulation? And personally, I kind of go with the, the Ron Unz theory of the neocon bio attack on China. But in any case, would you agree that these people who have transformed the world and not for the better have done it with an actual virus that really is pretty nasty? I mean, I caught it, too, maybe a few weeks before you did. And uh it it wasn't too much fun. Um, you know, I, I didn't end up anywhere near any well, hospital, but it, uh, I, I, so my, my sense is that there really is this virus that maybe, you know, kills like one in 200, maybe one in 400 if they're in better shape and younger, uh, maybe a little more than one in 200 if they're, uh, you know, obese and out of shape and or with comorbidities. But in any case, there's a real virus that kills a lot more people than the flu does. Uh, do you agree with that now? I'm not sure I do, Kevin. Let me explain. I've been reporting on the virus virtually every single day since at the very least May of 2020. I did my first extensive formal report on that occasion, which you can now find on my blog. I used to have a website called JimTheConspiracyGuy.com where I was doing big shows on Sundays and then interviews on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And my very first was on the COVID pandemic. So I'd actually already done a fair amount of reporting because this is rather comprehensive. You can find it. Now, when I could no longer afford this website, which was running 100 bucks a month I didn't have, I took all the shows and linked them on a single page. I had I did 65 shows during the time I had it up from uh, uh, May through November. And you can find them all linked on the, the the Jim the Conspiracy Guy, the 65 shows on my blog at jamesfetzer.org. And I'd point out two, two especially, the very first, and then if you go down, I don't know, about number 45, I have one on the, the CVDNC Antifa Black Lives Matter, you know, r- roughly conspiracy, how it all fits together politically. But but so, so wait a minute. Sense. You're 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 saying that that all of this has convinced you that the sickness that you caught and actually experienced doesn't exist. I 
Something happened to me, Kevin, but I'm not at all sure what it is for the following reason. Uh, when I first began looking at this, Oli Domagard and I had contact, and he suggested I look at the, uh, uh, the EU mortality tables, where it was supposed to be the case that we had a, a raging uh, CV pandemic, you know, in the, in the EU already at the time. But it turned out that instead there was no change in the mortality. In other words, there wasn't any spark. Uh, there was no increase in deaths. That was suggestive that it didn't actually happen. More recently, we had a, re a release, it's a study that slipped through the cracks with the Johns Hopkins uh, newsletter uh, uh, reporting that a woman had gone to 2018, 19, and 20 and found no increase in any death category for by ages in any of those years, which is supplemented by the lack of increased sale of oxygen tanks and of uh, IV stands and tubes, which would be of necessity if the hospitals were overflowing. Way back then, by the way, Americans and others were going to hospitals where we're told they're overflowing with patients, just as we're told today, and they were empty. They were vacant. It's all massive bullshit. It's mostly, it appears to be a mass illusion, and let me give you another argument, Kevin, why I'm very skeptical about whether the pandemic is real, although I have no doubt that the vaccine is real and extremely dangerous and damaging. Uh, the U.S. insurance companies haven't adjusted their rates. But if, in fact, COVID were taking people out, they'd of necessity have to change, adjust their rates, or they'd run the risk of going out of business. Now, I did experience something. Uh, uh, Robert David Steele experienced something. You experienced something. But I'm not at all sure what the hell it is. And I'll tell you something else. They have been manufacturing the numbers for COVID massively. There were last year 38 million cases, cases of the flu. This year, less than 2,000. So somehow... 37,998,000 cases of flu disappeared. They were all reclassified as COVID. So I don't know if this is simply a more powerful strain of the flu. I agree. I was hit with something. You were hit with something, Robert David Steele. Another dear friend of mine right now is hospitalized with a VA. He's going through just the sort of symptoms you and I and Robert David Steele went through. But And, and when you see the... Biden administration, by the way, being so manipulative and cutting off HCQ, where we had a published of an article in 2005 in the Journal of Virology, extolling HCQ as a wonder drug that would prevent it if you didn't have it and cure it if you did. And where ivermectin, where we're told is only for large farm animals, actually was approved by the FDA back in 1996, Kevin, and now this additional effort here to muck things up. It's, uh, you know, with his monochromal antibody treatment, I'm very, very troubled by all of that. Well, there are all sorts of questions about this, that's for sure. And and some of these questions, I actually side with the alternative theorists, and on others, I side more with the mainstream ones. When you mentioned uh, Genevieve, you didn't mention her name, but you mentioned that Johns Hopkins study that yeah. questioned the excess deaths. Now, the official U.S. government figure is that over half a million 
people died, uh, presumably of COVID. There were more than half a million excess deaths, meaning more deaths than would have been expected based on prior years. And Genevieve Briand of Johns Hopkins put out a paper a year ago or so questioning that. And I jumped into that and then some even, you know, more mathematically uh, hip people, people who are, you know, really crunching lots of numbers on a daily basis, which I haven't done since probably my calculus courses in college, uh, jumped on this. And they tell me that it's possible that you, you know, I, well, she, I, I'm not sure what her position is now. She wouldn't come on the radio and talk about it, but she had a bunch of email exchanges with, a, with these people who were trying to get to the bottom of it. And the bottom line is that there are maybe maybe it was 300,000 rather than half a million but most likely it probably really was half a million it might even have been more in other words the claim that there were a very large number of excess deaths in 2020 are probably true and then the question becomes well, what caused them and it does seem that if you you add up all of the you know extra a few extra suicides because people were uh, depressed because they were locked down, and you know maybe some uh, accidents you have to actually add some uh, or t- you know take away deaths because people weren't driving as much, fewer audio accidents, things like that. You do all the all the calculations, and you still have to have uh, hundreds of thousands of people dying from something like. COVID, uh, or it doesn't make any sense. And, and so that's the United States. And I think there are similar analyses for some other countries, although they've been questioned. But I, that's one where I, I actually think the mainstream is probably right. I argue with Gordon Duff about this. He thinks there have been far more excess deaths and they're covering up the fact that COVID is vastly worse than the mainstream tells us. But frankly, uh, when I look at all of the numbers out there and try to look at them skeptically, it looks to me like it's pretty much what they say, you know, kills one in 200 people, maybe, uh, and mostly older, obese, comorbidities and so on. Uh, and, and one in 200 is a heck of a lot of people. You know, there are a lot of you know, there are billions of people in the world. If one out of every 200 dies, that's a big pile of bodies. And I think we are seeing a fairly good sized pile of bodies. So I think that, you know, that, that mainstream description of COVID is, is not all that inaccurate. But as for whether the vaccines are going to solve the problem, there I would depart from the conventional wisdom and be very skeptical about whether they will. Um, so that, that, that's my take. Have you, have you looked into the, the vaccine skepticism of Vandenbosch and Luc Montagnier, who say that the vaccines may actually make things worse in the long run? Oh, sure. There's no question about it. I mean, Sherry Tenpenny has described the vaccines as a perfectly designed killing machine. Luc Montagnier has been quoted as having said, everyone who gets the vax will be dead within five years. They destroy your antibody system. Kevin, the Red Cross won't even take blood from those who have been vaccinated because their antibodies have been wiped out. I I hope it's not that bad, but (laughs) that's definitely the worst case scenario. The stuff that I've seen from uh, Vandenbosch and Montagnier is saying that the real problem is that that when you vaccinate uh, a huge population during a pandemic, you're not actually preventing the disease from becoming widespread. Instead, you're just essentially trying to help people's odds after the disease is already widespread. And if you do that, you end up selecting for variants. You end up uh, making, you know, creating a situation where the only, uh, the only types of, of the virus that survive are the ones that can get much better 
at breaking through your vaccine. And so they're going to have little mutations in their spike protein because that's what all the vaccines work on. And you're going to very quickly breed vaccine-resistant variants. And data from Israel in particular, but also some other countries, including the UK and Gibraltar and so on, suggest that that's already happening. And so in about two months, we're very likely to be seeing a uh, very serious waning of vaccine efficacy. Uh, that's at least my take on, on the numbers I've seen from uh, a, a lot of what seem to be pretty solid sources. And so it, you know, if there's a race between vaccines and a rapidly mutating virus, it seems entirely possible that the virus might win the race and there might be immune escape and there might even be that uh, syndrome that they had in chickens where the actually it's the unvaccinated that end up dying, not the vaccinated, because the vaccines breed these uh, super viruses. Uh, and it, yeah, but, yeah. so, so it, we, we, yeah. we have pretty substantial differences on this. I mean, in Israel, which is the most vaccinated country in the world, they're having massive hospitalizations of those who have been vaccinated. Uh, we have a study from Scotland, 80 percent of those in hospitals are those who have been vaccinated. What you're going to see here with this increase in death shortly is because having removed the antibodies from your system, those who are vaccinated are vulnerable to the kinds of threats in the environment that they would have effortlessly brushed off. And we're going to have a stunning increase in deaths. In fact, already we're seeing it. I was reporting. Well, wait, wait, a, wait, Jim, just, let recent... me, let me just back up for a second. Uh, the fact that 80% of the deaths in Scotland are vaccinated people and similarly like 60% of deaths and hospitalizations in Israel are vaccinated people doesn't mean that the vaccinated people are actually getting hospitalized and dying more than the unvaccinated people. The reason for those numbers, as I'm sure you know, being a very savvy uh, statistics guy, is that in Scotland, uh, the vast majority of the people who are most at risk are vaccinated far more than 80%. So if you have a situation where virtually all of the really high-risk people are vaccinated and of the unvaccinated, most of them are young and healthy, obviously you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have numbers like that. And, and that doesn't, that it, actually, even in Scotland and Israel, well, in Israel, not so much actually, but the, it, when I look at those numbers and I, and people like Berenson and, and other uh, reputable <laughs> critics look at those numbers they have to admit that, no, the, the vaccinated people are still doing a little bit better overall. But the problem is that the vaccine's efficacy wanes rapidly. And so we're just getting into that window now where we could expect these vaccines to uh, kind of crash in terms of their efficacy. But, of course, it's all going to be blamed on the unvaxxed. Well, it's certainly all going to be blamed on the unvaxxed. Have you ever seen such a massive assault? on Americans' right to choose or not choose to be vaccinated or their personal health information. This is unprecedented in American history. We have a form of medical tyranny taking place, being advocated by the guy who's in the supposed to be in the White House. Whether he's actually in the White House is a whole separate question, because we've had plenty of reports that they were using an ersatz White House, either the one in Florida, one in L.A., in Culver City. That was all going on at the time that when the inauguration was pre-recorded, it was being broadcast at the wrong time. Cannot have even been legal because it was taking place before the Trump administration had concluded at noon. I mean, there are all these fascinating aspects to this, Kevin. But I'm I'm convinced that the pandemic 
is fraudulent, but that the the vaccine is all too real. And the whole idea of creating these phony statistics of a of 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 a mass uh, coronavirus pandemic was to motivate us to line up to take a jab that's in effect going to commit suicide. I mean, it's just the plan, the ingenuity that went into this is completely brilliant. But then, if I'm right, it's the Rothschilds. They had all the money in the world in order to find the best plan by paying people. Believe it or not, Kevin, this this just shocked me. The latest story I got today is they are learning to develop plants so that you could have spinach and lettuce that contain mRNA vaccine uh, medicine, you know, so that you can change. You wouldn't even know you're having a lettuce salad or you're having a spinach salad, and unbeknownst to you, your DNA is being changed by mRNA. I'm afraid this is an indication of where we're oh, at. Oh, goodness. And then when your skin turns green and you start uh, getting well, energy from sunlight with chlorophyll, and you don't have to eat any more lettuce or anything else for that matter, well, you can be a happy a vegetable for the rest of your I, life. I, I, I love your satire. You're quite a genius at that. But what it really means is you no longer have the right of informed consent because they can load you up with anything you want just by way of food that, unbeknownst to you, has been loaded with chemicals designed to harm you. And by the way, as I'm sure you're aware, all of this is in gross violation of the Nuremberg Code, which declares, you know, 10 principles uh, uh, on the basis of which Medical procedures, experimental procedures must be governed, the first of which is voluntary consent is essential. Well, voluntary consent means being explained with all the benefits, but also all the risks that attend this experimental procedure, where the risks aren't even known because they're long-term. Indeed, you know, Pfizer and Moderna claimed they skipped the animal studies to expedite. Well, I'm convinced they did the animal studies, only all the animals died. And you also have to know the alternative treatment, like the monoclonal antibody treatment, HCQ, ivermectin. I mean, if any of this were legitimate, there would be no campaign to suppress HCQ, ivermectin, or the monoclonal antibody treatment. You'd be promoting it because you want to save lives. Everything taking place shows the objective is just the opposite to kill as many Americans as possible in the shortest possible time. And the reason they have hyped up the the pressure is because as the new flu season comes, it's going to become all too obvious as those who are vaccinated start dropping dead and those who are unvaxxed remain unaltered, unaffected. We The unvaccinated stand as a control group in relation to the vaccinated, and they do not want that, Kevin. They're, they want everyone to be vaccinated, so there won't be a clear-cut control group. And you know, of course— Well, that, that, that's a legitimate point. I, I don't agree with some of the things you've said, but the fact that it, they're pushing for no control group, and indeed, the actually in the tests, these companies— did uh, vaccinate their control group afterwards so they wouldn't have a long-term control group. There's something wrong with that. That that is uh that's not good science. No, obviously it's corrupt science. Uh, in addition, of course, among the other Nuremberg code guidelines, the result of any experiment must be for the greater good of society. Well, 
if you think wiping out, you know, 50% of the world's population is for the greater good, then you might do it that way. You know, Deagle.com has projected U.S. population in five years will go from 330 million in 2020 to now 65 million in 2025, Kevin. Well, you know, you know Jim, if you, crunch, if you crunch those numbers, you'd see that, you know, that's probably just about, you know, the, the number of, of people who would have to disappear to get to that number would be just about the number that they're going to end up vaccinating. Yeah, that, very good, very good, very good, which in my opinion is consistent with the hypothesis that this is a perfectly designed killing machine, as Sherry Tenpenny has emphasized. I mean, it's it's god-awful. Also, human experiment should be based on previous animal experimentation. Well, I'm telling you, they did do it. They just haven't published the results because all the animals died. And because that was the outcome they wanted, they regarded the animal experimentation as a success. When you read experiment should be conducted by avoiding physical, mental suffering and injury, it's completely absurd. I mean, the number of deaths and, and serious bodily harm and women uh, having miscarriages and the like and double periods and all this other bizarre stuff. It's obvious there's massive uh, mental, psychological, neurological. I mean, these spike proteins uh, function as prions and they eat big holes in your brain. We're talking about, you know, this... Uh, 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 mad cow disease being transported into the human community by these vaccines, Kevin. I so, mean, the Jim, did you, did you talk about this stuff when you were hospitalized? Uh, I take it you're not vaccinated, of course. And did you? Men I'm sure they asked you that. So, did you have any conversations like this with the medical people? Oh, Kevin, the medical people are a complete disaster. I mean, I'm sorry to say. They're under threat of losing their licensure. The AMA has all threatened them. You cannot challenge the COVID existence. You can't challenge the vaccines. People are being put in very awkward positions. We're having very large numbers of nurses who are retiring or resigning because they're being mandated to get the vax, and they know better. Right, right. But I, mean, I was and asking about your, your, they, personal, your personal experience, actually, while, you know, when you were treated and stuff. Uh, did, you, did, did you talk about this with them? Oh, Kevin, I was not feeling argumentative. I'm telling you, the second time I was so weak, I couldn't even get out of bed. They actually took me over there in an ambulance, in an ambulance, for God's sake. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I had about eight hours of extreme weakness when I first had it, too. Yeah, I wasn't in an argument to be disposition. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, I was I was like, uh, you know, I was barely able to, to shoehorn myself into the car and uh, drive you know, 10 minutes to the pharmacy and, and get uh, one of those thumb oxygen meters just in case. That's uh, yeah. so I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't yeah. get any treatment. Yeah. I just, I just drank pine needle tea, lots of uh, healing, healing herbs. And uh, I, I've got a very high vitamin D level from a lot of uh, regular sunbathing. Yeah. And so I got through it that way. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like that must have been pretty scary to actually be thrown in an ambulance and, and taken to a hospital. And like, I'm sure you were probably, uh, thinking, uh, do not put me on one of those ventilators. Oh God. Yeah. I wasn't going to go for a ventilator for God's sake, nor take the jab, but I'm telling you, it was, uh, a very uneasy experience. The first time Jan had driven me over and that time I was there seven hours and when the ambulance that time eight. Now, lots of friends have sent me all kinds of good stuff to aid and abet me, you know, 
from tea to oil of oregano and a host of other stuff, colloidal silver, blah, 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 quite, quite a list. I've already been on vitamin D. I've been taking very substantial vitamin D for a good long time now. So I'm continuing that, of course. I'm also taking vitamin C and a whole lot of other stuff. But, you know, I got to say how grateful I am to the colleague who got me the ivermectin. Now, I'd previously taken HCQ way back when, but I'm not convinced that when I took it, I did it in the right dosage because I had the HCQ and the Z-Pack, but it, it's also supposed to be attended with zinc. And the zinc I had was only little zinc tablets, and I'm not at all sure I had it in the right combination to be efficacious. I'd also obtained from my own physician an ivermectin, but it was simply one pill, one dose. And, and so I was glad to get these. Uh, you, you, five did you get that from Dr. Zorba two. Pastor, the famous uh, Wisconsin public radio doctor? Yes, yes, yes. Wow, bravo, Dr. Zorba. I didn't know he he would do that. Both HCQ and ivermectin. Wow, very cool. Yeah, so his attitude is like, if you want it, I'll get it for you? Well, I mean, uh, we go back way when, you know, uh, we've had lots of discussions. He knows my views about all this. Uh, I I was very upset going over to the clinic, which is just uh, a mile and a quarter from my home having to wear a mask because we know the masks are useless. One of the great uh, videos going now viral is Fauci in 2019 talking about the uselessness of masks. But I have six or eight articles on my blog about the damage done by masks, including one from the American uh, Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is the leading U.S. scientific medical association in, in the United States, and where they're talking about the absence of any benefit from wearing masks. It's all a downside. I mean, not only does it mean you're recycling oxygen-depleted air, and therefore you're killing brain cells, for example, which, unlike skin cells, are not reproducing themselves. Once those brain cells are gone, they're gone forever. You're putting an additional strain on your arterial vascular system. You're putting a strain on your heart because of lack of air. But you're also accumulating a whole bunch of crud in your mask that is then being recycled. It turns out Fauci and colleagues did a study of the Spanish flu at the early part of the 20th century and found the overwhelming majority of deaths were not from the flu, but from uh, uh, pneumonia, which was a bacterial pneumonia, which is promoted by wearing face masks. Well, did, did you get so to discuss this with Do- Dr. Zorba? Uh, I'm trying to recall if we got that for, I think I did actually. Yeah, I, I, I wish I had but, a recording of that. But, to, that would make yeah, great yeah, radio because he, he's really fun to listen to on the radio, although his medical views for the most part are pretty mainstream. So I'm thinking this would be a really interesting kind of conversation to be a fly on the wall and listen to. Well, I, I don't want to speak for Zorba, obviously, whom, of whom I'm very fond, but he knew uh, uh, my opposition to wearing masks, and he instructed me that to be uh, treated in the clinic, I had to wear a mask. So, uh, you know, I felt that he was under a pretty strong mandate, and it turns out the AMA appears to be part of the pressure that's being applied to physicians all over the country, in my opinion, completely wrongly. And by the way, 
the Nuremberg Code is international law, and, and it, the penalty for violating the Nuremberg Code includes death, Kevin. So we have all this stunning stuff going on in gross violation of the Nuremberg Code. I'm just stunned. Here's another. No experiment should be conducted, meaning no experimental vaccination if it's believed to cause death or disability. Well, we have staggering statistics on death and disability from these vaccinations. In fact, one of the most telling aspects of all of this is that in the past, a medical procedure or product that brought about a tiny fraction of the death and disability that is being generated by these COVID vaccinations would have been pulled off the market. I mean, it would not be around. That's true. The swine swine flu vaccine got pulled off the market for a a much smaller problem than this. Yeah, yes. But, of course, it it wasn't a real emergency. And some people would say that the COVID uh, situation is a genuine emergency. Well, of course they'd say that. We're getting that propaganda 24-7. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. I, I do encourage those who want to take a look. To, to consider the political benefits that have accrued to the Democrats from this pandemic. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. Consider these. Without the COVID panic, Democrats could not easily achieve mail-in voting, which they desperately needed to steal the election. Without COVID panic, Democrats couldn't shut down rallies and political campaigns, efforts of President Trump. Without COVID panic, Democrats can't block campaign contrasts between an energetic President Trump and a physically tenuous, mentally compromised challenger. Without COVID panic, Democrats do not have an excuse for canceling the DNC convention in Milwaukee. This is all at the time this was going on, by the way, thereby blocking Team Bernie Sanders from visible opposition while protecting candidate gibberish himself. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats did not have a mechanism to keep voters isolated from each other, limit communication and national debate adverse to their interests. I mean, COVID panic pushes the national conversation into the digital space where big tech controls every aspect. Without COVID panic, Democrats couldn't keep their blue state economies easily shut down and continue to block U.S. economic growth. Without COVID panic, Democrats couldn't keep Club candidate Joe Biden sealed in the basement without COVID panic. It became more difficult for big tech to censor. Uh, uh, It becomes more difficult for big tech to censor voices that would outline the fraud and the scheme. Without COVID panic, Democrats couldn't advance, influence, or organize their preferred presidential debate format of virtual presidential debate series. There's more and more here, Kevin, but this is all outrageous, and it's clear the Democrats are all in, not only on the COVID and the vaccination, but, of course, allowing this endless stream of migrants to come across our southern border. Joy Reid was talking tonight about how the Republicans are afraid all those migrants are going to vote Democrat, and, of course, that's a whole reason the spigot, the floodgate, has been open. That's what they want. They want to change the demographics. Trump is so fearsome to the, they're so afraid of Donald Trump. They want to, they're willing to destroy America to maintain their political control. That's a bottom line here, Kevin. Well, that's what Rolf Lindgren was saying when he called in during the first hour. I think he was planning to call in again this hour. Do we have him on the line, Rolf? He's on the phone right now. So I guess you agree with everything Jim just said. 
I think the, the COVID virus is an obvious distraction to take our attention away from the John Durham probe and the indictments of Clint, one of Clinton's lawyers yesterday, Mark, Michael Sussman. That's what this is. The, the massive deep state perp walk is starting to commence right now. Well, and that's what you said last year, the year before and, that, and the year before that. Well, that's because the virus delayed the investigation. It takes Jim, a long, Jim, what do you think? Federal investigations take a long time. Do you agree, Jim? No, no. I mean, these events are much too late coming. I mean, this whole pandemic was motivated by a lot of the considerations I've just outlined. And remember, Minnesota State Senator Scott Jensen, who's also an MD, observed that he was surprised he was pressured to identify a patient who'd never been tested as having died from COVID. And it was he who exposed that the hospitals were getting $13,000 for every patient they identified as COVID and 39 for every patient they put on a ventilator. The money behind this, and that's part and parcel why I say it's a Rothschild banking empire that's behind this. No one else has this kind of massive financial clout or political control over the mechanisms of society. It took a a global monster to try to pull out this theft of planet Earth. And it's clear the only candidate who can fulfill that role is the Rothschilds. Okay. okay. Actually, that's interesting what Jim just said, because the last your last guest was trying to say that I really had COVID, even though I had a bacteria. So now... Now, Jim is saying that, and I, that's true, that the hospitals get all this money if people have COVID. Well, if they wanted to make more money, why didn't they just say I had COVID? Because you were vaccinated, Rolf. If, if they don't, really want, they don't want breakthrough infections. They want to minimize oh, breakthrough infections, but they, they, want, they want to maximize COVID among the unvaxxed. Okay. What if I just told you that the vaccine worked and I haven't caught COVID? Well, the vaccine worked, but when you were in the middle of your strongest period of protection – you ended up in the hospital with a major respiratory problem. So I don't know. I mean, the, uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a respiratory problem. I just had. I just had pneumonia. pneumonia. That's a respiratory had, problem. Well, okay. Well, I guess it was technically, but it was. I didn't have fluid in my lungs. I was not. I didn't really have trouble. I didn't have trouble breathing or anything. I just had fluid around the lungs, but in one, just one of the lungs, but not, not in the lungs. So I, I didn't have any serious. Right. But see, I, I do find it interesting that of, of the two people I know who were hospitalized for COVID, and that would be you, Jim, and then also a, a friend's sister, that one of two, and that's the, that's the friend's sister, was fully vaccinated. So, uh, and you, of course, Jim, weren't. And then Rolf, you're the other person I know in real life who actually has been in the hospital with a respiratory illness and not in, in, not in such great shape. Uh, during this COVID but, period, but and you, you also were it, vaccinated. So, it, so really, two out of three people who got hospitalized during this period that it, I know of uh, were it, people who had had been vaccinated, and that makes me wonder. You know, what are the odds explanation of it? is just that I need to lose need to lose more. I've lost about thirty pounds since I was in the hospital, and I, you know, all my all my vital signs are much are are good now. My vital signs weren't really that good, you know. But, but see, the question, ago. Ralph, is, is, you know, regardless of, you know, what, what your co- comorbidities may or may not be, there is that question of are these vaccines actually, 
uh, adding to uh, life expectancy or uh, reducing all-cause mortality. And there have been studies on this. Let me ask Jim about this. Right. Well, yeah. That, what about life insurance? Well, they, they're probably still catching up with this, but I've actually looked at a couple of studies that look to be fairly solid, which suggest that despite the evidence that these vaccines work in terms of reducing hospitalizations and deaths from COVID, if you run the numbers, you find that there's actually no reduction in all-cause mortality among vaccinated people as opposed to unvaccinated and if that's true, it's a real mystery. How could that be? So they can keep selling life, so they can keep selling life insurance to vaccinated people. So you're saying? Well, you know, the, or the I don't think, the, like I said, I don't so think the insurance who, who's business. Who's a greater danger? The people who are vaccinated or unvaccinated? Well, according to the studies I'm, I'm just mentioning, it looks like they're about the same. They're about the same. So you yeah, for all, all cause so mortality. If you give everybody a placebo, if you give everybody a placebo then it, would, it wouldn't have any, it wouldn't affect anything. Well, that, that's what these studies vaccine. would suggest. And I, they obviously need more investigation to, you know, okay. I, why, I why not let, just let people, why not just let people make their own decisions instead of trying to ram things down people's throats? Why not just let people make their own decisions if they want to take a vaccine or not? I'm, I'm all for that. How about you, Jim? I'm sure, I'm sure, as I'm sure as I'm not going to say, Oh, I'm not going to take a vaccine because some guy on a, on a conspiracy radio station said it was bad for you. I'm sure it's all not going to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, vaccines work. Both Republicans and Democrats overwhelmingly oppose mandates. They overwhelmingly prefer choice. Both Democrats and Republicans. There's great unity about that. I I think the Democrats support mandates, according to the polling I've seen. Democrats support mandates, unfortunately. Because they want everybody to, they want, they, if they think it's good for them, they want everybody to be forced to do it. There isn't that much polling out though. I've seen three polls on the mandate so far. Two of them, two of them claim that about 60% of everybody supports the mandate. And then one other poll said more people oppose the mandate. So, but that's not, that's not a lot of data. And, And who knows how, if these polls are rigged or something, it's hard to tell sometimes. Well, well, how about a, a quick sample of what it's like in Madison? Uh, I haven't been in Madison much lately. I was in San Francisco for the 9-11 Truth Film Festival. And in San Francisco, the buses are just universally masked. You, if you don't have your mask on when you get on the bus, the driver instantly orders you to and everybody glares at you. And the restaurants all are required by law to ask for a vaccination card. So I showed my parody vaccination card that says I got vaxxed. You know, I got the fuckser and fuckser. I don't think they asked for. I, I've never heard Jonestown. that they asked for a vaccination card in, in Madison. I mean, I live. I've I've never been asked for a vaccination. Okay. And how about card. masks? Is everything indoors? Like are restaurants and masks? Like that, there's masks? a mask mandate. There's a mask mandate right now, but you can take you can take it off when you when you as soon as you sit down, you can you're, you can you're, you can take it off. You can also supposedly if you get up to go to the bathroom or get to refill your 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 beverage. That you're supposed to put it back on, but you know some places don't follow the rules. If if you know what I'm saying, yeah, it's very so, strange. You, you um, have to put like, the mask on like, to walk into the restaurant, and then you sit at the table and you just take it off. Like, what's the point? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's pretty dumb. I I agree. It's pretty dumb. See, that's the thing is, is that I'm opposed to all the mandates, but I don't I don't necessarily I don't think that you know ignorant people attacking vaccines. 
I mean, what about all the other things they do? If you get a broken arm, should I go to the doctor or is, that, is there a conspiracy there? Because they make more money on fixing broken arms. You know, I'm just saying. You well, know, they, they may be good at some um, things. They, 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 they fix a, a lot of things. They fix a lot of things, but all of a sudden with vaccines, there's this giant conspiracy. But yet, if you get, if you have high blood, I mean, what if you have other diseases or, or problems? I mean, I know people who have been to the doctor and they've gotten better. And, and there's things that if they had lived 100 years ago, they wouldn't have gotten better. Well, that, that's true, but, but it's very likely that Western medicine is pretty good at some things and not so good at other things. And overall, it's really not so good. According to at least one study, uh, doctors are the leading cause of death, causing more deaths than uh, cancers. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's called uh, the... Uh, trial, I'm sure the trial lawyers put that on. Maybe John, John Edwards. Or no, somebody. no, no. There, well, there have been a whole series yeah, of studies. The ambulance that, chasing. They've estimated the number of doctor-caused deaths, otherwise known as iatrogenic illnesses, uh, or deaths rather every year is between the very minimum would be a quarter, uh, what, what a quarter million and, uh, the, the maximum would be, uh, up close to a million, I think, which it would be higher than cancers and all other causes. Uh, so yeah, iatrogenic illnesses so are we extremely, see, we shouldn't you know, see doctors. These are medical mistakes and bad medical treatment. So we'll let the nurses, we'll let the nurses take care of the CNA can take care of us. We don't need the doctor, right? Well, I, I, I think we need to be skeptical about medical treatment and figure out which stuff works, which stuff doesn't. I, I had hip replacements because oh, wow. I studied that, and they're they're pretty darn good yeah. at hip replacements. But I, I mean, I, I think that I think the doctors are busy, and they they probably do make mistakes. I mean, when I went into the doctor, I didn't I didn't know what I had. I thought I might have COVID, even though I was vaccinated, because I, I was like thinking, well, I heard that nobody has the flu, so the doctors figured out very quickly that I didn't have COVID. Now they had to get the testing done to to prove it. But the doctors started treating me for for pneumonia bacterial pneumonia almost instantly because the doc the doctor told me that I only had it on one side of the of the lung and not the other side. He said if you have COVID, you almost you almost always have it on both sides. So the the doctors and and like I said, what I what I had is a common thing, a strep bacteria is a com- very common thing. So there's been thousands of cases that have gone through the hospital. You know, I didn't have some rare, but I, I do know that when you have some rare or unusual condition, it's things are misdiagnosed by doctors very frequently. And then sometimes people die because the diagnosis is wrong at the beginning. And, and I, you know, they tell you about the side effects. You know, when you get a pneumonia, when you're, when they, they suck off these fluids out of your body. Well, what if that gets infected? You could have a, a side effect. You could have there, – there's lots of things that can happen, and, and you've probably heard stories of – usually it happens to older people, but people who go to the doctor, and then they have they have a side effect from from the initial thing they went in, and then things they either get worse. Sometimes people die from the – from from un, unforeseen side effects. Yeah, and, then, and that would be considered an iatrogenic illness or death, rather. That's uh, caused by by bad medical treatment, or you know, medical treatment caused death. And there are huge numbers of them, and probably quite a few COVID deaths uh, fall in that category too. You know, in New York early in the pandemic, when they were slapping people on respirators and you know not really in a hurry to take them off, um, we saw these nurses blowing the whistle on that. Uh, clearly there was some very, very bad treatment going on in New York. And then when they were sending the patients, the COVID patients into the nursing homes, my God, I mean, talk about, uh, it looks, you know, it looks like almost a, a planned, you know, depopulation effort or something. And speaking of which, uh, Jim, 
do, do you think that it's it's possible that we you, you mentioned earlier you know the something about the Georgia guidestones and so on these elite depopulation plans and you were saying you think that we might be facing that and you think it's the vaccines that are going to do it uh give us a quick uh, uh try to convince Rolf that that's the case and, and we only have two minutes left well, I don't know about convincing Rolf, but I am convinced it's a three-stage process that the masks kill us slowly, that the vaccines kill us faster, but ultimately they're going to resort to starvation to achieve their objectives, where you may or may not be noticing, but there's a lot of devastation to agricultural areas in California elsewhere. The, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who is just fraudulently reelected, where like 70 percent of the voters went to gas or voted, were told they'd already voted because they had an elaborate scheme for mail-in that enabled them to manipulate, release the water that California had a five-year supply of water, and Gavin Newsom and the head of the water board released it into the ocean on the ground. It was going to protect some minuscule little fish, and it's causing massive agricultural problems. But, Kevin, when we're so close, I want to give you a perfect topic for one of your VT articles. It turns out that pot cures COVID. There's a study from the National Institute of Health. Here's the title. Cannabinoid inhibits SARS-CoV-2 replication and promotes the host innate immune response. I'm going to send it to you, Kevin. I'll bet a lot of your audience likes the fact that pot cures COVID. And get this, we're in the absurd situation where pot is a Schedule One drug, which are substances or chemicals defined as drugs with no currently accepted medical use and high potential for abuse. Frankly, I don't see a high potential for abuse with marijuana. And here it clearly has a medical use. Those include heroin, LSD, marijuana, absurdly, ecstasy, uh, uh I think those are quaaludes, peyote, no doubt fentanyl's going to get on there. I'll send you this article, Kevin, if you hasn't seen it yet. I'll bet a lot of your audience are happy to hear that. Okay. I think we can lower the crime rate by giving everybody free marijuana. And lower and the COVID rate at the same time. They'll be too lazy to commit crimes and then, and then, and they won't get COVID. So there you go. We yeah. can solve the crime problem. And the other problem, I mean, if they get the munchies idea. and get overweight, that'll be a comorbidity. We, My prediction is that in 10 years from now, all these conspiracy theories you guys are cooking up will be kaput. They won't be valid because Trump will be reelected and he will the, the, the new world order will be destroyed and it will cease to exist within 10 years. Well, I, I'll, so bet you, I'll bet you that you're wrong, talking about. I, I bet there will be plenty of conspiracy theories around 10 years from now. I well, think there, we're in a, we're in a booming business, an industry that's uh, heading uh, only well, upwards. More and more conspiracies. I don't think it's because there are plenty of conspiracies. Let me exactly. add one note. Robert David Steele, whose former CIA was being attacked as a conspiracy theorist, well, for Christ's sake, he came from CIA, which is conspiracy central. CIA is conducting conspiracies all over the world, which makes it all the more obvious why they want to attack conspiracy theorists because we're investigating crimes the government doesn't want solved because it leads back to the government, including especially the CIA. That's right. If they don't like conspiracy theories, they should stop conspiring. Okay, I think we've hit the end of the show. So thank you, guys. Uh, Jim Fetzer and Rolf Lindgren, always fun talking with you. Uh, favorite right. Madison uh, Trump-supporting friends. See you guys later. Good night. God bless. You got it.